move this. All right. We're live. Oh. <laughs> we're live. We are live. It's it still says scheduled in my in my top corner. Yeah, we're live. <laughs> oh, we're live. Well, hello, hello, and good afternoon. Welcome to your Elimination Chamber edition of the Wrestling Inc. podcast. I am your host, the self-proclaimed content machine, Liam Crowley, and I am joined alongside by two amazing guests today. First to my left, the man in charge, the man behind the machine, Wrestling Inc. founder and owner, Mr. Raj Geary. Raj, always a pleasure to be on these mics with you. Yeah, always a pleasure to have you on. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for doing this. Yeah, absolutely. Stoked to talk all things Elimination Chamber and the top news of the wrestling world. Also to my right, it's a Wrestling Inc. podcast regular, New York City's very own Demon Diva, Isa. Isa, great to see you again. Great to see you too, Liam. How are you? I'm fantastic. I'm having a great time and I'm excited to talk <laughs> all things in the world of pro wrestling. And before we get into the Elimination Chamber and all the matches and WrestleMania implications, we do have two pieces of red hot news from the world outside of WWE. First in AEW, Tony Khan, that man is teasing another massive announcement, but this time it might be a non-signing. He had a very interesting quote that he's told to Busted Open Radio earlier this week saying quote there will be a lot of news in the week ahead i don't know if i'll get it done by tonight but stay tuned in the week ahead hopefully i'm working on something pretty big it would be massive i don't know if it's what anybody would expect or think it is but it would be a big deal in pro wrestling i'm looking forward to hopefully making it happen stay tuned i will hopefully get it done and have more to announce soon raj I know, I don't know if you're someone who's always on social media criticizing Tony, hyping these announcements, but I feel like so many people within our circles are always like, you know, maybe take the gas, take the foot off the gas a little bit when it comes to like driving up speculation. In your opinion, is this current announcement, can it live up to the hype with everything he's done recently? Well, I think, uh, I, and Issa, I think you're, you're frozen there, um, but um you know, with Tony Khan, it's funny because some of the biggest surprises that we've had in AEW uh, were unannounced. We're Tony Khan not saying anything. John Moxley, Sting, uh, CM Punk, Dan uh, Brian Danielson, Adam Cole. None of those were teased as a major surprise or or anything like that. And then when he teases a major surprise, it's, you know, uh, meh. I mean, I, and that's no disres disrespect to Keith Lee, but uh, I just mean like, when you're thinking huge surprises with the ones that they've had instantly you start building, you know, your fans just start building it up themselves uh, with this. I mean, it looks like uh, it's something non like not a signing. I think he would have said something more like it's a massive signing or someone coming in for us, you know, something along those lines. It sounds more like uh, something else. And, you know, I think there's, it's all speculation, but it, almost sounds like maybe it's a streaming deal and maybe they got the ROH TV library or I mean the ROH library uh, or, you know, maybe it's something with new Japan, uh, maybe a joint card or something like that uh, because, you know, Japan did ease restrictions this past week. So uh, people can travel, you know, more freely into Japan and, and out. That's a very interesting tidbit. I, di I didn't know that about Japan. So that maybe new Japan crossover feels a little bit more likely Isa Raj mentioned to the idea of this being a non-signing is pretty likely as usually those signings are hyped as signings themselves. Do you have any speculation prediction on what this announcement could end up being? 
I mean, I personally think um, with the release of Carlos Carrera from WWE, he could really just hype up his Spanish announce table. But I, I don't know. I don't get excited about these signings anymore. I don't know if this is a, a ratings grab. It feels that way, right? Like, it feels like we're going to get the ratings back up by, by expecting a big announcement. I just hope that he just says what it is and not does it just to grab ratings because it's just getting old now. It, it does seem like anytime AEW does a poor rating, and, and this was you know their lowest in, in months that they did this past Wednesday, that then you hear about the massive surprises and the big surprises that happened. You know, the CM Punk MJF match. Well, it wasn't a bad number. It was definitely disappointing. And it, it was the lowest that they had done on TBS up until that point. So it... Uh, you know, it does kind of seem like we're, we're seeing a pattern forming. There is an interesting comment here in the chat from Brody Inman who says, could it be a big venue for double or nothing? I think that's something that a lot of people aren't really pointing towards. Everyone says the new Japan, everyone says the streaming stuff, AEW. I don't know if they're at a capacity to do a stadium show yet, but I think it's in their future. And I don't know if double or nothing is too soon, but all out in Chicago, I don't know. Could they maybe go to the Bears field and do something pretty big come August? Raj, do you have any thoughts on AEW possibly doing a stadium show? I think they, I, well, yeah, you know, we'll have to see now because, you know, the the ticket sales have cooled off a little. You know, uh, when they were new, when they were hot, and obviously when they came back after the pandemic, the ticket sales were super hot. So it's almost like that should have been the time to do it. But I do think with the right card, um, and if it's, you know, and the fact that it's the first and AEW fans are very hardcore, that it should do well. So I mean, I, I could see that. Does that count as a massive surprise? I don't know. I don't know. It would be it would be something special. And I don't know if it would be. He did say it would be a big deal in pro wrestling, which makes me think, you know, we've seen stadium shows in pro wrestling before streaming is kind of what i'm hoping for because i already have hbo max and you know <laughs> AEW has the deal with warner it would save me some change every couple months isa do you have any finalized predictions on where this could go or anything you would want this to be specifically no i think if it's going to be a stadium show i would assume they will go to the jacksonville jaguar scale like mm. stadium because they have a connection there it will probably be a lot cheaper to get that stadium for tony Khan, i would assume than going to a different stadium um I, I wouldn't mind seeing a streaming deal. I think that would be great. Um, but the, with, with them doing only four pay-per-views a year, I don't think, I personally don't mind paying for their pay-per-views, but I think a streaming deal would just be excellent. I think it would have to be a lot of money because, you know, if they're doing 150 to 200,000 buys on pay-per-view, um, you know, that's, it's got to be a, a decent deal because let's just say it's 200,000 buys, right? That 40 bucks a pop. So what's that? That's eight million. They get half, and again, two hundred thousand is the best that they've done. It's usually about one hundred fifty. So this is on the high end. Uh, so eight million, they split that. So that's four million a pay per view. That's sixteen million a year. So it'd have to be, you know, and again, I adjusted up. So fifteen million plus would make it worth it. You know, twenty million obviously is a huge deal. So um, yeah, we'll see. I mean, that would be yeah. I mean, that would be great, but. Um, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> it would definitely push a lot of momentum in HBO Max's favor as we kind of enter this streaming war in 2022 in modern age of uh, broadcasting. Uh, right. Seven Clown mentions, what is that uh, Raj uh, keeps looking to his left? Uh, is it the heater that we were talking about? No, no, it's the chat. 
<laughs> oh, looking at the chat. So keeping an eye on the chat. <laughs> so he's actually looking at your comments. Yeah, you guys. Yeah, that, exactly. That's why he was looking for his love. Uh, Keith also mentions another super chat. Thank you so much. Tony seems like the kid who thinks every prize in a happy meal is amazing. Well, I mean, that's a pretty positive outlook on life, I guess. But uh, yeah, that yeah, must be he, fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think you might have hit the nail on the head there. And we talk about, you know, possibly doing a stadium show for AEW, how they would need a massive super card. One man that wouldn't be on that super card is Cody Rhodes, because as we know earlier this week, Cody announced he was departing AEW. His future is still uncertain, but signs are pointing it to being WWE and former AEW champion, a man who has not been on our screens in quite some time. Kenny Omega has recently given his thoughts on the matter, and he's had some very lengthy quotes of a fantastic article over on WrestlingInc.com where you can check out everything Kenny said. But some of the most interesting snippets, he opens this by saying, uh, especially when the revolution first started, which is what kind of Cody penned it, at, uh, penned it as when they did that big pool party rally or whatnot. He said that he believes the most passionate person about that revolution, the most passionate person about creating an us versus them mentality, that was Cody. And those comments are kind of solidified because if you remember back at Cody's first match with Aleister Black or Malachi Black, rather, immediately after, he said, you know, I, I always said we were an alternative, but hell, we're competition. He very much certified whenever he had a microphone later in the promo years for Cody and AEW that it was a competitive atmosphere. Later on in the quotes, Kenny goes on to say, uh, that's sort of where the Bucks and I differed. We never wanted to go to war with Vince and WWE. We just wanted to give people an option and have a platform for our style of storytelling and our style of wrestling. And he goes on to say that he thinks his vision aligned more with the Bucks while Cody was a little bit separate. He even referred to Cody's idea of pro wrestling as the Cody-verse, which I thought was kind of funny. And then towards the very end of these lengthy quotes, he says it's very possible that this current version of AEW just wasn't a good fit for Cody to Cody. For me, you know, I feel like he was one of the original four. There's always going to be a place for him. You saw it in his ladder match with Sammy Guevara. He's got an incredible utility and he's able to help out our younger talent. So it's nothing from an in-ring perspective. There's no issues there. Raj, I'll go to you first. So much to break down here with all these Kenny Omega quotes. First of all, great to hear Kenny Omega talking in the world of pro wrestling again. I personally miss the cleaner. I, I miss seeing him on our screens. But him giving all these bits of analysis towards Cody's situation, what do you make of the whole thing? Um, I mean, I think it, it was pretty clear. You know, I, I know there are reports downplaying uh, some of the tension between the EVPs, specifically Cody and the rest. And I think it was, it made pretty clear that they weren't, uh, they weren't on the best of terms. And, you know, I've heard the same thing with uh, Kenny Omega and Brandy, that they weren't on the best of terms as well. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's interesting. I mean, it's, I think it's pretty much confirmed that Cody's going to WWE. I think it has been for days. We've talked about it. Um, and, you know, Omega, I mean, he's, it sounds exactly like what I think a lot of people thought it was just differing visions. And uh, what Cody wanted was way off uh, from what Kenny Omega and the Bucks wanted. And ultimately, you know, Tony Khan has kind of taken over the whole show, but it seems like their vision with the Bucks and the, and Kenny are more aligned with Tony than uh, Cody's was. Isa, I know these comments are very fresh uh, to you because this is a fairly new development in the world of pro wrestling. Uh, any instant reactions to what Kenny Omega has said about Cody Rhodes? Um, I I think a lot of things 
became a little bit more clear once I heard you guys, you know, read these comments out to me. I think it makes perfect sense. I like thinking of AEW as an alternative and not necessarily a war. I, and, and I and I personally respect that vision that um, Omega mentions that him and the and the Bucks have. I I don't know that we're ever going to know what the full version of this entire Cody story is. But I do agree with Liam's point that it's just good to hear Kenny Omega speaking again and kind of like throw his opinion out there, being someone considered, you know, part of the group of people that help build AEW. I, I don't know that I didn't like all of the shots that were thrown at WWE and I personally preferred WWE's way of taking the high road and not really mentioning them. So we'll see if AEW goes back to that. Um, but I, I was, I was, I'm very curious, and I'm going to read the whole article when, when we get done here because I really want to know exactly, you know, everything that he had to say. It's interesting though because most of the shots were from like you know Tony Khan and, and like the Bucks have thrown a lot. So um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, if you watch BTE, that's that's where the shots really happen. I'm, I watch BTE every Monday, and I'm like, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And 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 it's interesting with Cody too, just because he was so you know, uh, intertwined with the AEW uh, Warner, uh, you know, uh, partnership. You know, he had two reality shows. He, whenever there was a celebrity, you know, he was usually involved somehow, you know, with Shaq, he was involved with that match. Uh, with Mike Tyson, when he first came in, Mike Tyson was presenting him the TNT title. So he was just really intertwined with kind of like the the beyond wrestling stuff with with warner and they kind of lost that and they don't really have anyone else in that role and i don't know you can have jericho kind of fit that role but he is older and i don't know who with your younger stars mjf it kind of kills his gimmick a little bit uh you know so i'm not sure who exactly fits in uh for those shoes that that cody was in yeah cody did seem like kind of the perfect kind of cross i don't even want to say platform star but he was main. He was envisioning a mainstream appeal for AEW, and we saw that with the Go Big Show. We're seeing it right now. Uh, that that show, I believe, was all pre-taped, as in the entire season yeah. was shot over the summer. But he's still promoting it on his social media, which is why I think we're waiting to see him cross over to WWE and make that debut. I imagine they're gonna wait till the Go Big Show ends because he does seem like someone who's going to do things respectfully, kind of how Adam Cole finished his feud with Kyle O'Reilly and didn't just jump ship. I think Cody's in the same boat of, you know, I had this agreement with Warner and TNT and TBS and the Go Big Show. I'm going to let things ride out, but it is still just a very odd situation overall. And it'll be interesting to see how AEW progresses going forward, because if Wednesday's show showed us anything, I think they're going to be just fine. I don't think this is a huge loss from a storyline standpoint, but more about just kind of, a roster standpoint, as you mentioned, Raj. Isa, Raj actually posed a very interesting question. I want to go to you before we get into Elimination Chamber talk. Is there anyone on that AEW roster that sticks out to you as being that person to bring the mainstream appeal to AEW or bring AEW flavor into, say, Hollywood somewhere? It depends on what we're talking about, right? Because I do think there's some kind of like an it factor, like a Roman Reigns, right? And I don't know that AEW necessarily have that. I think they have it with Jade. I like Jade. I think Jade will make me like stop the channel if I'm a casual viewer just flipping through the through the channels. If we're talking specifically AEW and the alternative and what they stand for right now, I will say Brian. 
I think Brian is doing the best work of his career. And if you just let him take off, he he is it. When he's on TV, I want to know what he's doing. I want to know who he's feuding with. And I don't necessarily feel that way when it comes to Hangman Page, who I couldn't wait for him to win the title. I just don't know that his reign is just being underwhelming so far, in my opinion. And I feel like the person that makes you want to stop the channel and, and see what they're doing should be your world champion. But in my case, I would say Brian. Yeah, I I, I... I got to agree with uh, Hangman Page. I think he's great. I thought they did that that great storyline with Kenny Omega, but his title run has been lacking for sure. And you see it with his title matches. They're they're never the highest rated segments on the show. His promos aren't the highest rated uh, segments on the show. Uh, he just doesn't feel like the the main attraction. And even with this upcoming pay per view, when I when I think of the pay per view, you know, I I've got you know uh, Daniel. I'm. <laughs> I keep doing that. Brian Danielson versus Johnny Moxley. John Moxley is probably the match I'm most looking forward to. And then CM Punk and MJF probably after that. And then, you know, Paige and Cole is kind of lower on, on the ladder. Yeah, I'm right there with you guys both. I remember, you know, they had a Texas death match, AEW championship match. And all anyone wants to talk about was Keith Lee showing up, which is crazy. But, you know, you know, that's kind of the, the case with title runs. And I think it's just kind of the the curse when it comes to a babyface title reign. The chase always seems more fun than the actual resolution. You know, I, I do got to say real quick regarding the ratings with Dynamite last week, because they were, you know, for the show, they were bad. Obviously, they were still number th three on the night for cable. But for what that show had been doing, it was bad. And uh, they did lose big with women. Now, they didn't, the, the lead in didn't do as well. But I also do wonder if the week before ending with that Texas, you know, the, the uh, what, what do you call it? The death match. The Texas death match. And, you know, uh, Lance Archer stabbing him with the fork and licking the fork. I just wonder if that, that kind of stuff turned some people off. And, you know, again, one one week's rating, you can't really go by it. You can, you know, when AEW is really big one week, I've never jumped to conclusions because you have to wait a few weeks to kind of see the pattern. And I know a lot of times when they do a big week, everyone's like, oh, watch out WWE or they beat Ron this demo this week. And you know, uh, look at where AEW is going. And it's like, you gotta wait because next week it's going to be down and it, it should be down. I mean, that's just how it works. Uh, you can't overhype the lows or the highs and you just kind of got to wait and see. I'm, I'm with you on that, Raj, but I want to point out because I always find this so interesting when I watch wrestling with casual viewers or people that never watch. And I have family currently visiting. Um, so we were sitting at my mom's house and I have my nephew, my nephew's wife. They, she never even watches wrestling. And when I had AEW on, her expression for the main event was, why are two kids main eventing? And I couldn't help but to laugh. <laughs> so if, think about it. Think about the it factor of flipping channels, right? Think, you mean Sammy you know, and Darby? Yeah, okay. she said, why are these two kids, 12-year-olds, to be exact, to her quote, main event thing. <laughs> so, I mean, you 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 have to switch things up because I do think that there is an audience for Sammy and Darby. Are they main event? Like, people are going to stop and watch? I don't know about that. The TNT title, you know, I, I, I don't know. But they, they just need to fix some things here and there. But I just always like hearing the perspective of somebody that has no idea what's going on. And, and when she said that, I was like, well, I really can't defend. I, I couldn't defend them at that time because she had a point. Yeah. And Sammy and Darby, that was the lowest rated segment on the show. And that was the main event. Wow. We do have a couple super chats to get into. Uh, Zachary says, it's time to get the belt off Hangman. Sammy too. Let Keith Lee elevate the TNT belt, just like he did with the North American belt in NXT. He's credible. I, I 
kind of see both sides. I want I want to see Adam Cole with the AEW world title, and I want to see Keith Lee sooner rather than later with the TNT title. But that TNT division is still pretty stacked, and I think you can't really go wrong with anyone uh, that you would you know take the belt off of Sammy with. Raj, uh, any thoughts on both men's singles champions losing their titles pretty soon? You know, usually Tony Khan doesn't like doing short title reigns. I mean, Sammy's was a little short, but that was to get get it back on him at Battle of the Belts. But obviously, Cody got COVID, so that wasn't able to happen there. Um, yeah, I, I you know, I do think um, either either you got to get Hangman in a better feud where he doesn't. He's not taking the brunt of the talking. Like when he was in the feud with Brian Danielson, Danielson was just, you know, dominating every exchange that they had. Um, so he's got to be more the aggressor and kind of in charge. Like if it's whether it's CM Punk or MJF and, and it's not going to happen with MJF for sure. But uh, he, he kind of needs to be the more of the focal point. And then Issa, any thoughts on that TNT title? Anyone that you want to see take it off or is Keith Lee at the top of the list? I mean, I think Keith Lee will be great. I mean, but he recently just got here. I, I wouldn't mind seeing somebody like uh, Ricky Starks, Jay Lethal, some of mm-hmm. these people that, like, I saw them put on an amazing match last week, and they were fighting for, I mean, a couple of weeks ago, fighting for a title that's not even sanctioned. Let's put a real mm-hmm. title on them. And, and kind of back to the Cody thing, uh, Cody going into WWE, this is kind of what I witnessed the Wednesday Night Wars be. I'm mean, not Wednesday Night Wars, the, the WWE AEW war mm-hmm. uh, being when, when it started is – People going back and forth. and But because of contracts, it's been one way all this time. But now all these contracts are coming up over the next year. Uh, it's going to be really interesting because Issa just mentioned Ricky Starks. He's getting hardly any t- TV time on Dynamite, you know. And you got guys like that who are, you know, diamond in the roughs uh, whose deals will be coming up. And I could see WWE being interested in a lot of them. And speaking of deals coming up, we do know Kenny in that interview mentioned his contract expires around this time next year with no options so it's about re-signing or possibly going elsewhere again we're going to get into elimination chamber very shortly but we do have a couple more super chats uh cj hennessy says hi raj and isa welcome back liam shout out from boston yes sir go socks uh what match do you guys each predict for mania outside of what's announced you guys doing a live show i expect there to be a, a wrestling Inc. podcast immediately following wrestlemania um but as for uh which uh what match do you guys predict outside of what's been announced? I'm hoping for Styles Edge. I think that's been like a pseudo dream match that everyone's had since uh, Edge made his return at the 2020 Royal Rumble. AJ was one of the first guys he interacted with in that match. So that's what I'm hoping for. Raj, how about you? Um, Yeah. Uh, you know, I think once we're going through the Elimination Chamber, I could think of more. But uh, AJ and Edge would be great. Um you know, I know they're doing Austin and Owens. Um, yeah, let me think about that, and I'll, I'll get and, and I think and I'll get back to it. But I think CJ, I think he meant a live show, as in in person at, at oh <laughs> yeah. And uh, we're still talking about it, so I know we got to figure that out soon. But uh, we'll keep everyone uh, we'll keep everyone updated. And uh, Issa, Issa, as for a, a dream match at, at WrestleMania, or ones that you would expect, Terry Allen Jr. sends in a, a fun one, uh, a super chat as well. Ricochet versus Sami Zayn, WrestleMania, fast, fluent, and great. Possibly for the IC title, that could be pretty fun. Any WrestleMania belt predictions that you have? 
Uh, I just need to know what Seth Rollins is going to be doing. If you want my fantasy booking, I will add Seth to the to the Lesnar and Roman match. But that's just me and my own brain of who I would like to see fight. I see. I feel like Seth has some finished stories with both of them. Um, but I would like to see Seth Rollins do something big. I just can't figure out right now. And like Rush said, maybe as we go on throughout the show. But um, I just want to see him doing something big and... I don't think he's going to be in the title picture. Let's see what they have in store for him. Because I think he's doing an amazing job right now. You, you mentioned the other night Seth versus Cody, right? Yeah, I mean, that would be... I, I'm trying to not go crazy with the fantasy booking. But if Cody really is coming, I would love to see Cody and Seth. Yes, that's my fantasy dream match. No one sells a crossroads quite like Seth Rollins. Remember, what was it? Yep. Battleground 2013, I want to say. One of 14, my favorite... No, maybe it was 2013, yeah. One, one of the two, one of my favorite moments, Seth, he knows how to sell a crossroads. I'm sure Cody could sell a curb stomp pretty well. Uh, Bid Moon, you mentioned uh, uh, that uh, title match possibly coming a triple threat. Bid Moon said Issa, Brock, and Roman, goats. So maybe Issa gets inserted into that match. Uh, thank you so much for the super chat. And Oz Aids, thank you so much for sending in a super sticker. All this Elimination Chamber talk, I think it's about time we get into the Elimination Chamber. We'll kick things off with the pre-show, Rey Mysterio and The Miz kicking off this card. Rey Mysterio getting the win, and after the match, the Mysterios, both Dominic and Rey, taking the fight to The Miz, leading to a lot of speculation that this could breed into a WrestleMania match with the Mysterios taking on Miz, the partner, obviously John Morrison, no longer with WWE. So that slot could kind of go to anyone. Raj, any thoughts on this opening kickoff match between Mysterio and Miz? Um... I thought it was a good match. And you know what? I thought the Saudi crowd was just lit. I mean, they were just hot the whole night. Uh, they were just really into everything. I mean, this crowd was awesome. Um, you know, I, I don't think any match tonight really stood out. There were, I thought there were a lot of fun matches, but not necessarily any great matches. But uh, this was, I thought it was really good. The crowd really made it even better. Uh, and it looks like it's going to be Logan Paul uh, as Miz's partner at WrestleMania. At WrestleMania, so there's actually a lot of celebrity involvement uh, when you think about it. With Logan Paul, Johnny Knoxville looks like it's going to be him and Sami Zayn. So, um, yeah. Issa, thoughts on Mysterio versus Miss? Yeah, my highlight from this match was just the crowd, and I have been very vocal about how how much I love when WWE goes to these places that they don't go to all the time because the crowds just live for every moment. And it was a match that I was like, yeah, I'm just going to put it as background noise because it's the pre-show. And I'm telling you, the crowd maybe turn around and be like, okay, what is happening here? Because I kept hearing all the pops and all the cheers. But like Roger and Liam said, I thought the match was actually very good for something that I have felt so over the storyline when it comes to Monday Night Raw. I, I I didn't mind that at all. And the crowd, not just here, throughout the night, I thought the crowd was incredible. But yeah, this this was good. And I do think it's going to be Logan Paul. I really was hoping for a Morrison redemption story, but that's just me being a hopeless romantic. <laughs> One thing I did want to point out about this match, too, we saw a lot of progressive stuff in this entire uh, show as a whole because we had a lot more women's matches. Uh, the women didn't have to wear kind of the baggy T-shirts. They were wearing the full body suits, but it was still kind of in line with their gear. Rey Mysterio's mask, uh, right where his forehead was, he was wearing the cross. Before in Saudi events, he had swapped out the cross for like an M with a crown on it. And I don't know if that was kind of a regulation in the Middle East, but it seems like WWE has made significant strides in what can and cannot be shown on screen since their first event, which I believe was the greatest Royal Rumble way back in 
2018, 2019, only in a couple years. So I thought that was something uh, at least worth mentioning. Uh, we did have a couple super chats before we move on to the next match uh mike saying raj do you think vince has big plans for lashley at wrestlemania now that lashley spoiler alert is no longer champion uh, you know I, I like isa's seth idea but i, I kind of think it's seth and lashley because seth kind of was the reason that you know for as as uh people in the chat are pointing out seth was kind of the reason that lashley was out so that to me seemed kind of like a build. Clearly they protected Lashley tonight, you know, Brock Lesnar winning the title without beating Lashley. He wasn't fed. No one pinned Lashley. He never got in the match. So they protected him. So he got out of that cage and it's clear that they got big plans for Lashley. Otherwise they would have had Brock just pin him. So the reason he was out is because he didn't want none of that Brock Lesnar smoke. Let's be and Raj, your idea is is echoed by William Robb, who says uh, Seth versus Lashley. Seth was the reason Bobby was out. And that's been echoed by a lot of people in the chat as well. Vishmeyer sending in another super chat saying so many missed Cody feuds in AEW. Mox, Brian Danielson, Punk, kind of agree. You know, there's so many that, you know, I don't think we're going to get in the immediate future, but we'll see moving down the line. And then Zachary, another. Yeah, real quick on that point, I, I do like that. AEW does mix it up with the younger talent and, and kind of elevate, you know, trying to elevate the younger guys. So, you know, you had Cody feuding with, um, you know, uh, Sammy Guevara and guys like that. But you do got to also throw in some of these other big matches because here, we're seeing it. You just kind of missed out on on matches that could have done some business and, and good ratings. Yeah, that, that Punk versus Cody match is something that I'll always look back on as a what-if scenario. We did get another super chat from Zachary. Uh, thank you so much for supporting the stream, Zach. And he says, WWE makes a new belt for Raw after Mania. WWE can't handle one championship for both brands. What does this do for brand splits? I'm not sure anymore. So we're kind of, you know, jumping a little forward here into later in the card. We're obviously going to get a champion versus champion match at Mania between Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns, and he does bring up an interesting point with the belts possibly and likely being unified after WrestleMania. Do you have the double champion lose one, or do you just create a new title? And considering the two titles right now are Universal and WWE, maybe there's their opportunity to do Universal in another word that doesn't just encompass the whole brand because it's always kind of felt weird to me hearing like universal champion and wwe champion you know it's always felt more natural when there's like world and national and whatever uh isa i'll go to you do you think wwe should create a new title for raw after mania i don't i don't we've seen this champion versus champion or, or winner takes all matches in the past when becky lynch um won at wrestlemania and she just carried the two belts until she lost one i don't want to see the winner of this go on to get pin insignificantly just to drop one of the titles later on i think it would take a lot away especially because we're talking it's either going to be brock lesnar or roman reigns walking around with these two belts but i don't think the belts will get unified for as long as both of these shows are on separate networks i don't see these titles getting unified Raj, how about you do you see the the winner walking away with both titles or possibly ditching one and only carrying one I agree with Isa. As long as you have the separate brands there, I don't see them uh, unifying the titles. But the same thing with, uh, as Isa said, with Rouse, you know, when Becky won beating Rousey and Charlotte, she, she has both belts for a while. But the funny, you know, the thing is to do that, they have to lose one of the titles at one point. And these are two of the most protected guys in WWE. And I'm sure they, you know, uh, 
I don't see them beating either of them right away, like at the next pay per view, like they did with Becky. Do you think there's a possibility they pull a Keith Lee, like when Keith Lee won both titles in NXT, where he just kind of relinquished one and they did the tournament just so, you know, so people could fight for it? Do you see that being a possibility here? I don't see that more than some random Me beating too. Roman Reigns. You know? Me too. I think I would rather see Roman, like, let's say Roman wins or Brock, one of them win just to prove the point and then relinquish one and be like, I just did it just to just to show that I'm the head of the table or I'm the beast. And then here you go. You can have this one. Um, I would rather see that rather than them get a stupid pin just to get rid of one of the belts. Yeah, because we also talk about the visual too of that whoever beats Roman is going to be pushed to the moon, and everyone's speculating on who that could be. If you have someone pin Roman before he loses the Universal yeah. title, that you know takes the air out of the moment. We've seen it very recently. I remember last year when Christian beat Kenny Omega for the Impact Championship. Sure, it wasn't the AEW Championship, and there was interference, and that Hangman moment still rocked, but you still had the visual of. Omega on the mat, one, two, three. We talked very recently, Raj, on a Wrestling Inc. podcast about Adam Cole getting pinned by Orange Cassidy before he challenges Hangman, which even though the match didn't count because it was lights out, it still has the visual and it still kind of takes the air out of the moment. So if we have if we have money in the bank right after WrestleMania again or close by, I will let your champion carry both belts long enough that the briefcase holder has to challenge for one of these titles. Therefore, it kind of like, you know, this person is just fighting for, for just one. But regardless, I mean, I, will, I, I still would rather see it get relinquished than one of them get pinned. You know what I could see happening is the next pay-per-view, they have Roman defending the WWE champ, the Raw championship, whichever one goes to Raw, in a fatal four-way or something, and someone else gets pinned. Uh, So Roman loses the title without getting beat. We did see him lose by disqualification. I mean, he did lose to Seth Rollins, technically speaking, by DQ. So I can see that possibility happening. Yeah. It's something to look out for, for sure. Oz Eights sends in a super chat. Thank you so much. So far, Elimination Chamber, much better than Royal Rumble from last month, I believe Oz is just catching up on the show. Uh, I think top to bottom, this was a much more enjoyable show in terms of nothing really stuck out. I thought Elim- uh, Royal Rumble, excuse me, had some great moments and matches. But, you know, the uh, what does Vince say? All people remember is the finish. And we just did not really care for the men's Rumble match too much. And Bidmoon also putting in great point, Raj. Crowd made that madcap match feel big and i gotta agree here i was shocked at how invested i was into this weird feud between (laughs) madcap moss and drew mcintyre based on crowd reactions alone i think that's a great point i think this was the best crowd they've had this year i'm trying to think of one that was hotter like from the top of the show to the bottom and can't think of any yeah, I, I think I agree with you there. Uh, let's move on to another match uh, at the Elimination Chamber. Our first match on the official card, Goldberg versus Roman Reigns. A pretty quick match, you know, right around the six-minute mark. I saw people putting on Twitter, a lot of people wanted Roman to squash Goldberg immediately. We still did get a properly paced Goldberg match, but it ended with Roman using that guillotine submission. Goldberg not tapping out, but passing out. Referee stopping the match. Roman Reigns retains, and now he has a WWE Hall of Famer notch on his belt within that universal title reign. Issa, I'll go to you first for this one. Is this how you envision this match going, and do you think Roman looks stronger leaving it? I envision this match going about 
five and a half minutes shorter than what it did. I wanted <laughs> Roman to just come in, spear him, and get it over with. I did like the visual of him putting Goldberg to sleep, especially if we don't see him again, which is not going to happen. We'll see him again eventually because <laughs> that's what Goldberg does. I I thought this was quick. It was what it needed to be. Does Roman look strong? No. At no point, anybody thought Goldberg is actually going to beat Roman. So it was just, like you said, a notch in the belt, basically. But for what it was, six minutes, one of them, they stare at each other. So technically speaking, five minutes <laughs> of wrestling, it was okay. It was okay. Yeah. You know, I I put out there on Twitter, like assuming that Austin versus Owens at WrestleMania is not Austin's last match, you know, do Austin versus Goldberg. I mean, that is kind of a dream match for people that grew up in that era. I think it would bring a lot of people in, you know, fans from that era who don't watch anymore. I think it would uh, get a lot of curiosity. And this is the kind of match you could do. It's safe. No one got hurt. Roman never took a jackhammer, so he didn't have to worry about being dropped on his head or anything. <laughs> I mean, you could easily do this kind of match with Austin and Goldberg, and I think it would be absolutely something that's worth doing. <laughs> because there's been so many dream matches over the year that just never happen, and this is like one that all of a sudden you can do. It's something to look out for, for sure. And I, I don't know if it's something we're definitely going to get, but I think it is something that was definitely probably tossed around backstage. My final thoughts on this match is I just hope and pray to God that this is the last Goldberg title match. I I am so unbelievably frustrated with how much it devalues a title by having Goldberg show up and declare I'm next. He did it for Drew McIntyre and lost that match uh, after losing the title to Braun Strowman at Mania. And before that, he just challenged Bray Wyatt out of nowhere, just declaring that he was next. And then he loses to Lashley at SummerSlam, gets his win back in Saudi Arabia a couple months later. But then, of course, challenging Roman, saying I'm next as to where other guys have to go through hell. We just saw a Royal Rumble match where, you know, even though Brock Lesnar is a part-timer, sure, and he had just gotten a title match at day one and just had a title match earlier in the night, he still went through 30 other, 29 other people to earn the right to challenge. And then Goldberg can just show up and say I'm next. I know. It's scripted. It's fictionalized storytelling, sure. But that devalues the title so much, and especially for a universal title that they've spent 500-plus days building up to be a yeah. main championship. It hurts. It hurts me, and it hurts my mind that is so focused on canon within pro wrestling. The thing here, and I and I felt it was a miss, instead of having Goldberg come out and do the I'm next thing, you had a story. This match was supposed to happen. Sure. Why not just have Goldberg say, hey, you ran away from me. What's up? Instead of him doing the original, like, I'm next thing, you could have easily just written, because they mentioned that a lot in the build-up, and they mentioned it before they played the video package. This was supposed to happen at WrestleMania. Why not make that the build-up instead of Goldberg just getting another undeserved title shot. Yeah, I mean, they would mention it a little in their promos, but it definitely wasn't the, the focal point. But um, yeah, well, one more thing, Goldberg. Goldberg yeah. <laughs> so I've had no, I still am on no caffeine this whole week. So it's just, uh, and I got up this morning uh, with uh, this Twitter nonsense, which I'll get into here in a second. But um, uh, yeah, Goldberg, uh, this was the last match on his contract on this current deal. So technically right now he's a free agent. Uh, if, if Tony Khan wanted to, he could have him on Dynamite on Wednesday. I don't think that's going to happen. I could easily see him, you know, signing on for uh, another deal. But right now Goldberg is a free agent and no longer under contract. 
You're a stronger man than me, Raj. I don't go a day without caffeine, even even on my off days. I, I need it to just, you know, get through the day. So uh, either, either way, uh, that has been Goldberg versus Roman. Who knows if Goldberg will have a WrestleMania match? Who knows when we'll see him again in WWE? But we do know Roman will have a big match at WrestleMania. And another big match that's going to happen at WrestleMania is Bianca Belair versus... Real cool. uh, before we get into that, we got another super chat from Zachary. Thank you so much, Zach. Again, this is like his third super chat. Thank you. Thank you, Zach. Um, he said, Lita was spectacular, looked so youthful and young. I'm sure we're going to wax poetic about Lita's performance uh, later on in this podcast. But man, did that match go so much longer than I expected. And mm-hmm. she was just phenomenal. And Corey Pride also saying, uh, WWE is screwing up Rhea. Liked seeing Alexa again. Well, you're in luck because that's the next match we're going to cover. The Women's Elimination Chamber match for the right to challenge the Raw Women's Champion at WrestleMania. We had Dewdrop, Liv Morgan, Bianca Belair, Nikki A.S.H., Rhea Ripley, and Alexa Bliss with Bianca Belair coming out on top. And I got to say, I am so happy to see this result because it actually feels like there is a long-term story within WWE again. It's been so long, but obviously Bianca Belair, the whole SummerSlam situation, everyone was frustrated I don't know if this was always the plan, but I'm just going to go in my mind that it was. And it's so fulfilling to see that this storyline that was kind of set up in August is now going to come full circle on the grandest, most stupendous stage of them all, which I am elated to see. Raj, I'll go to you first. This Elimination Chamber match, this women's match, what did you think of the presentation as a whole? And are you happy with Bianca Belair coming out on top? Yeah, so real real quick, let me run down kind of uh, who eliminated who. Rhea Ripley eliminated Nikki Ash, ASH. That was the first one. Liv Morgan eliminated Dewdrop. Uh, Alexa Bliss eliminated Liv Morgan. Bianca eliminated Rhea. And then finally, Bianca eliminated Bliss to win. I thought the match was really good. Again, I thought it was really fun. Bianca is just amazing. I know, you know, when she did that one arm holding Alexa up with one arm, I know Alexa's helping out, but try that. (laughs) It's not easy to do. And uh, she's just spectacular, I think. And I think uh, she has to win at WrestleMania with how the post SummerSlam, how everything's played out from SummerSlam since. And I thought she looked great. I thought this was a a really fun match. Alexa Bliss, oh man, she's back to the swing set and, and, and being, you know, the, the, you know, the scary fiendish, Alexa, so that sucked to me. Um, so all those doctor, uh, psychiatrist Alexa Bliss segments were just for her to get her doll back. Is that what all that was? If she's just keeping the same gimmick? No, and they even used a new rendering picture when they showed the elimination chamber. She wasn't in that character. I was very surprised. Sorry to interrupt you, Raj, but I was very surprised to see her come out like that because we saw her kind of like get out of that character throughout the therapy. So I felt like they completely went in the opposite direction. Yeah. I I just want her to go back to the goddess. She was great in that role. And she's, you know, Alexa Bliss is uber talented, but I don't know. Yeah, and the goddess theme also comes along with that, which I enjoy a lot more than her current entrance music, which is kind of just, you know, kind of fiendish and and weird and wacky. Uh, But yeah, this match was hot. I was a very big fan. I was a big fan of all the different ring gear too. Bianca Belair coming out looking like the the Riddler almost. Uh, uh, What's her name? Uh, Jade Cargill had a very similar uh, one piece on uh, Rampage recently with all the dollar signs, basically Riddler question marks, which I thought was pretty cool. You mentioned this earlier, Liam, about the outfits, how, you know, the women's outfits have changed. I didn't, you know, they weren't in the past. They'd be distracting because it's almost like they're in pajamas, you know, like mm-hmm. it's super loose and they got a T-shirt on it, this. It, 
I, I wouldn't even even noticed if I, you know, if I wasn't really paying attention, it was, uh, it was definitely much better. Yeah. And the fact too, to have a big marquee match, you know, before women's matches were kind of attractions on these Saudi shows. Now you have a match with genuine WrestleMania implications. And like you said too, you don't even really think twice about it. We only pay attention because it's kind of our job to pay attention. Issa, any moments from this women's uh, elimination chamber match that stuck out to you? Yeah, I love that you guys brought up the outfits because I could not stop just just going off about it like in a in a positive way. I love that these girls went and got special gear made that it was approved and they were able to wrestle in a way that looked natural. Nothing looked off like it did in the past. And I'm always going to be respectful. You have to respect the rules of the countries that they travel to. But I always said, as a woman, I guess, there has to be a better way where we can make this a little more fashionable. And they and they did that tonight. Some of them looked absolutely normal. I thought Rhea Ripley, Sonia Deville, like they look like they wrestle in that anywhere that they go, right? I really like the moment where Bianca and Rhea kind of teamed up for a little bit because we know they have such history between the two of them. Really wanted to see it come down to Rhea and Bianca just because I just feel like you built a little bit of momentum with Rhea. You just gave us a little bit of hope last Monday on that gauntlet match. And then today she just went back to being treated the way that she's been treated for the last few months. And she's just so badass that it just feels almost unfair. But I will say when it came down to Bianca, Rhea and Alexa... I had a moment where I looked and I was like, I am okay with any of these women winning. I can see either of them going to WrestleMania to face Becky Lynch and a good storyline being built. But obviously, we all want to Bianca. So it did feel slightly predictable. But overall, I thought they killed it. I love the looks. I love some of the spots. And again, Bianca and Rhea just teaming up. I just I hope that if Bianca does defeat Becky, we do get a story between Bianca and Rhea eventually. Yeah, speaking of which, Corey Pride saying, Rhea, guys, they're killing Rhea's career. And, you know, I said this after the Monday pod. You know, Rhea had a good outing. That's a way to build momentum. And then it just kind of, again, just kind of back to where it is. And that's why I never uh, get my hopes up when it looks like they're giving Rhea something. Yeah, we'll yeah. see what happens in the future. But, Isa, I really love your point that if they don't have a big match for Rhea at WrestleMania, her being Bianca's possibly post her first post mania program could be really interesting because they have so much history in NXT. They do, and, and, just... and Bianca can never, Rhea can never defeat Bianca. You know, she always comes just so close. She did it at the Royal Rumble where Bianca won. We just saw it on Monday. We saw it again today. Like there is gotta be a really good story, but you have to go back to the nightmare, Rhea Ripley. She hasn't felt like a nightmare in a long time. They should turn her heel. They should yeah. turn her heel and go go Brock on everyone, you know, have her be like that dominant uh, woman on the raw side. And Bianca Belair, you know, she's kind of it's like the Hulk and Andre kind of thing where, you know, Bianca's Hulk that needs to overcome this giant obstacle. Yeah, the, the dominant women are very prevalent within the women's roster in WWE. And we got to see one of those dominant women showcase in her first non battle royal match back uh, since returning to WWE last month. Ronda Rousey and Naomi defeating Sonya Deville and Charlotte Flair in tag team action. Back-to-back -back women's matches on this card. And what was very noteworthy about this match in particular was Rousey did it all with one arm tied behind her back. She came out in her, her judo robe and whatnot, and she wore it for the entire match, which I thought was a nice twist to her typical just uh, rowdy, rowdy Piper gear per se. Uh, Raj, I'll go to you first. Did you enjoy this match? And even if it wasn't all that it was kind of made out to be, did it up your anticipation for when we eventually get to see Charlotte and Rousey clash in the squared circle? 
first off, when we were talking about gear, the round Rondas was the one that really stood out just because mm-hmm. it was really random. Like <laughs> they said it was what she wore at the when she won the you know at the gold medal at the Olympics, which is fine. But have that in what? the storyline somewhere. Don't make me yell at you. I almost had happy tears when I saw her come out in her judo gear. What? Because if you're an OG Ronda Rousey fan yeah. from her days prior to UFC, you know that's how she even got into UFC. We wouldn't have Ronda Rousey if she wasn't a judo champ. I I I was I, old, but I I'm a big it. I'm a big Ronda Rousey fan, and I was old. I was here for the judo gear. I, I agree with you, Isa. But they should have made that part of the story. Like have uh have yeah, it yeah. brought up. Scar, <clears throat> excuse me, like to have it brought up, like Sonia ripping on her, you know, for, you know, just bringing up her Olympic yeah. past. So that yeah, because way they never, they never talk running. about her past, period. Like they don't bring up <laughs> how talent, they don't even bring up the fact that she's an Olympic medalist, which I'm like, why are you guys not capitalizing in all of this? Right. The, yeah. The like, judo gear is her is her demon king. When she wears the judo gear, she no, transforms. No. <laughs> I'm sorry for speaking that out to oblivion. Um, but yeah, no, I, I agree. I thought it was it was fun and it was so, special. Uh, real quick, her, Trevor, she's yeah. a judoka. That's why what they weren't. No kidding, she is, but she has never worn that on WWE TV ever. So all of a sudden to be coming out again, if you made a part of the story. Uh, it would just make more sense. Just bring I, it up in a couple promos before the before the show. I am very critical of, for example, AEW when they do something that if you're not watching their YouTube programming, you're not understanding it on TV. And I feel like that's what Ronda Rousey felt like tonight. If you're a hardcore Ronda Rousey fan, if you're subscribed to her YouTube channel, she does judo lessons on there. But if you're not following that, you probably felt completely lost tonight. So I, I do see your point, Raj. Yeah, uh, and Stellar Justin Lopez bringing up a great point. I love the uh, the profile picture, by the way. I believe that's Peacemaker in like uh, Charlie <laughs> Brown uh, design. Uh, Bianca versus a heel Rhea is and should be the SummerSlam match. I think that would that would draw fans, especially if you build up that story. You go into their NXT history too. I believe that was the last takeover women's title match in front of like a live crowd nxt takeover yeah. portland in february 2020 it was a really hot match and i think if they replicate that within main roster it could be very fun uh moving on with this card though you know we talk real, about real quick big, um, um justin lopez oh, Sorry. Lost Raj and he's uh, back. <laughs> justin lopez uh who got me this shirt for Christmas. Oh, nice right. gift. Oh, my God. Yeah, Back to the Future, really cool shirt. My girls love it. Uh, they're huge Back to the Future fans. So thank you, Justin, for that. Uh, I, I wear it around the house a lot and out. That's incredible. Yeah. Well, Justin Lopez, thank you so much. And he's always been a massive supporter of this podcast, also on social media. Uh, so thank you, Justin. And thank you for popping in the chat. As I mentioned, though, we talk about our big stadium matches, our rock uh, a rock and Hogan, Andre and Hogan. We talk about rock and Cena. We got Drew McIntyre versus Madcap Moss, and the crowd was absolutely electric. I, I joke and I kid, but seriously, the crowd was white hot for this match and made it feel so much bigger than storylines made it feel in weeks leading up. And another shout out to WWE's incredible video team because. Man, these hype packages, for whatever reason, get me so much more invested in these stories than weekly television can ever do. Uh, Drew McIntyre, Madcap Moss, false count anywhere. They fought all around the arena with Drew McIntyre, eventually coming out on top with one boot on Madcap Moss's chest. Raj, I feel like you got so much to say. Well, first, I wanted to say one thing about that Ronda Rousey match. 
is yeah. that I, I know a lot of people were criticizing it that you know she had one tie, technically that it wasn't tied behind her back. It was kind of like on her, almost in her front. But yeah. um, it, uh, people were criticizing that step. But my daughters came and they watched it and they were so into it because of that step. They were really interested that Ronda Rousey had one arm tied and wondering how she could get out of it. And they were so into it. So it's one of those. Not every match needs to be a you know, five attempting to be a five-star match. Sometimes yeah. you just want that storytelling. You just want it to be fun. And I, overall, I thought that match was really fun. And just to go on Raj's point, as, as I mentioned earlier, I have family visiting, so I'm getting all kinds of different perspectives watching wrestling this week. And my nephew's wife, I will bring her up again, who said, please don't bother me until Ronda Rousey comes out. So, <laughs> I mean, as soon as Ronda came out, she became a huge fan of Naomi. She watched the contract signing segment, and then uh, we watched this today. So, I mean, they, they, they got something there. They got people's interest. And Charlotte and Naomi, when they were in that ring together, they had great chemistry. Like they do. They're really they good. They do. That match they, they had last week was so incredible. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Sorry about that, Liam. Sorry, I'm just I'm so stoked to talk about Madcap Moss and Drew McIntyre that I just shifted conversation. Said um, no one I, ever, but okay. <laughs> um, but to your point, I do agree. The SmackDown women's division is incredibly deep. And I think that whatever they have post Mania, obviously Charlotte and Ronda in the immediate future, I think they have a lot of enticing matchups they can do from now until SummerSlam, which I think is great. Uh, but Drew McIntyre defeating Madcap Moss, uh, one foot on his chest, you know, a very dominant pin, uh, something we don't see very often, at least in, in pro wrestling uh, nowadays. But uh, a lot of people in the chat also mentioning Madcap Moss taking a nasty, nasty bump. This was one I watched on replay a couple times, and uh, I had to, like, look away because he landed right on his neck. I hope everything's going to be okay. I know we don't really have any immediate updates on how he's doing health-wise, but we should get them uh, before today is over. Uh, Raj, I'll go to you first. Drew McIntyre, Madcap Moss, injury aside, did you enjoy this match? I did. And I think Madcap Moss, it's clear WWE has plans for him. You know, like it's clear they see something in him. I always think it's weird when someone has a sword and the crowd is cheering, like, go get it with the sword, you know, stab him through the heart. It's just weird, you know, like uh, cheering for murder. But outside, yes. of that, outside of that, outside of that, I thought it was a fun match. I don't, I don't know. If I was a wrestler, I'd be so uncomfortable with someone standing there with the sword while they're, you know, doing their their uh, their brogue kick. But uh, you know, uh, it was. Uh, I thought it was again. This crowd, man, this, it, this made it so much more fun to watch this match. You know, yeah. this was a match I didn't care about going in, but the crowd made it. Lisa, how about yeah, you? Any, any big I thoughts? agree. Yeah, no, that spot that Madcap took, I couldn't, I, I cringe multiple times watching the replay, and I just hope he's okay, that no injury comes out of this. Agree that the whole, they have to get rid of this sword. They have to, and I don't, and I don't mean to pitch, she's going to watch this podcast and kill me for bringing her up, but they're explaining the match, and my nephew's wife said, does that mean he can use the sword? Because she assumed <laughs> when they're saying, no disqualification, no this, no that, and, and I'm looking at her like I wish he did or or do something with it or get rid of it because it doesn't make sense that, you know, there's no disqualifications and he's not using the sword. But overall, I thought the match, and it has a lot to do with the crowd, was a lot better than what I expected it to be. And just over the storyline, you're building up towards WrestleMania. Drew McIntyre is a main event player you should have in going into an interesting program because you have two nights to build up to. So let's put him somewhere, you know, they're, they're, they're advertising that 
Corbin is undefeated since he became rich again. We'll see where they go with this, but I just want to see Drew McIntyre just doing a little bit more than Matt Cap Moss. No offense. Yeah, and it does seem like we might be building to a happy Corbin WrestleMania match, which on paper may not be huge, but if with the proper build, it could feel large, especially with how hot a crowd like tonight did for this Madcap Moss match. Zachary, another super chat. Thank you so much. He says that Alabama Slam was brutal. He's in concussion protocol for sure, unlike the storyline concussion that Lashley had. So, you know, here's hoping uh, Madcap Moss is going to be okay. Um, we don't know exactly what this means for his WrestleMania plans, if he had any. Uh, but either way, uh, you know, we're all thinking of just him and hopefully uh, wishing him a speedy recovery and all that. Uh, moving forward, though, with this show, Tina and Miller real also quick, sent yeah. another super uh, another chat. Thank you so much, Tina. Uh, she says, "Love Drew. He needs to get rid of that sword." Hundred percent. Because you know he's never going to use it. So it's, yeah, it's, it's a PG show, <laughs> right? So why have it? I don't maybe maybe there was it. maybe maybe he was intending to use it during the cinematic era. That would have been something. <laughs> <laughs> but and then what? That's, like the the like they had my extraction match. I guess they could have done like an arm <laughs> extraction or. But, but I, I mean, they did seen, the eye thing, right? <laughs> I've even seen in like PG medieval movies when people use swords, they have to like hit people with the butt of it. Like they can't use the blade because PG guidelines say people yeah. can't get stabbed on screen. And that's the case for Hollywood movies where you can make special effects and you can actually buy into it. When it's a live wrestling show, never once have I ever feared for the safety of Mad Cat Moss or Happy Corbin or Seamus or whoever he's pointing the sword at. Because you know it's a lawsuit waiting to happen if he actually does end up using it. So uh, I agree. I, I believe this this Drew McIntyre sword, I think, is our new wrestling podcast, uh, Alexa Bliss's doll. Like this is the new prop <laughs> that we all just unanimously despise and we want it to go away sooner rather than later. <laughs> but as we move on with this show, we have another women's match. Lita versus Becky Lynch in a match that kind of stole the show, in my opinion. I was not expecting it to go as long as it did, and I was not expecting to be as invested as I was throughout it and that's not a disservice uh to Lita but the fact of the matter is she is a part-timer she doesn't wrestle very regularly they mentioned that this was her first meaningful singles match in like 16 years so I didn't have you know the highest of expectations and I found myself walking away with just my jaw on the floor because there were there were a couple moments where I actually did one two is she about to win and then Becky kicks out especially when she would hook the leg uh, and then crossover too, which is kind of like a signal for this pin actually means the end of the match. Fooled me a couple times. I was very impressed with Lita and Becky Lynch, but Becky Lynch obviously coming away with the victory and going on to WrestleMania to defend her title against Bianca Belair. Issa, I see you all smiles over there. What did this match mean to you? And did you enjoy it, Lita and Becky Lynch? Uh, I This match is completely surpass my expectations i am a big becky lynch fan she's my favorite uh my nephew is a big lita fan and we were talking about how this is a dream match for the both of us we were at wrestlemania 32 and we remember lita introducing this women's championship and now seeing her yeah. fight for it for me was just mind-blowing right and i said the words to my nephew i don't think this match is going to go on very long so I was just completely blown away by Lita's performance here. I thought she looked incredible. The whole time I'm thinking, okay, they're going to protect her. It should be a short match, you know, because we don't know how, how she can go, what she can do. 
Listen, I want to see a whole run from her now after seeing her in the ring today. And Becky Lynch did an excellent job. The close finishes. There was a few times that I was right there with you, Liam, where I was just like, oh my God, Lita's going to win. This is a whole curveball. They they got me a few times. And this is the match that you can ask Raj. We're talking about it on Thursday. And me and Glenn were both like, yeah, Becky's winning. So for me to suspend my disbelief, it was huge. I thought this was incredible. Everything that it represented, the billboards, there was so much emotion going to this match and I thought that they over delivered and, and surpassed my expectations. It was excellent and I wouldn't even mind seeing it being run again. Yeah, I, I you know, I, yeah, I thought it was this surpassed my expectations for sure. And I thought I thought they both did great. Um, you know, there are a couple of missed spots here and there, but outside of that, it was really fun. It was it was well done. Becky looked great. Uh, Lita looked awesome. I thought um, and I thought the the ending just because of how good that ending was with Lita, you know, getting that kind of like a farewell and uh, she, you know, if you remember her first farewell with WWE, it was just atrocious. Um, and so it's like, she's finally getting the farewell that she deserved and it's different her doing it in a Royal rumble or a tag team match, but here in a singles match against the champion in front of a crowd, this is, I feel like the way to go out uh, unless they do a singles match with her at mania again. But uh I thought this was a very good way to, you know, to to go off into the sunset if this is her last match. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. That moment at the very end after the bell had rung and Lita was just kind of in the ring alone, tears in her eyes. It did kind of hit me a little bit. I was shocked at how much more invested I was uh, into her character, especially with a lot of these part timers. They come back and we're kind of trained to just be like, OK, they're only going to be here for a little bit. And I didn't expect Lita to stick around much longer after Elimination Chamber. But still, that emotion did kind of tug at my heartstrings a little bit. So we'll see what happening happens going forward. A lot of people in the chat mentioning Lita looked like she was never retired. Uh, could see Lita going for the tag titles, I think, could be very, very intriguing uh, going forward. Either way, uh, I think she's in a really good spot. And if we were to get her in another match, possibly at WrestleMania, I wouldn't be opposed. Uh, Issa, I'll go to you before we get into our main event match. Uh, Lita at WrestleMania, do you have any dream matchups you'd like to see her go after? I mean, I wouldn't mind seeing her go after Sasha Banks um, or a returning Bailey. If you're going to start with the horse women, you might as well, you know, start taking the boxes off. So go for one of them. And I think that Sasha and Bailey are available. Raj, how about you? I really like that Sasha idea because I feel like Sasha, Sasha's number one at a WrestleMania, right? So I feel like she can, she can use a win and uh, it would be a high profile match. I think Sasha more than deserves a high profile match, you know, at Mania. I can't really, who, who else is there for her? I to... want, I want Sasha to get Trish. I don't know when we'll get it, but I really want to see Sasha wrestle Trish. That would be great. But yeah, I, I, I like that Sasha versus Lita idea and I think they could have a hell of a match. Or on top of that, too, if Bailey's coming back, maybe Sasha and Bailey versus Trish and Lita. I think that could be yes. pretty fun way to give them all, all the yeses. Time. But didn't we get something like that for Evolution? They yeah. did Evolution. Yeah, I was there. Yeah, they wasn't it, it like Alexa couldn't compete? It was supposed to be Alexa mm -hmm. and Trish and singles, and then it became. Yeah. I think it wasn't it like Alicia Fox and maybe I can't remember, but it was yes. a very similar combination. Right. Yeah. Yeah, well, either way, we got another super chat here from Brian Berry. Uh, he says, will we get a triple threat at Mania? Lashley versus Reigns versus Lesnar. Since Lashley never lost the title, I doubt it because if they're going to insert anyone, it seems like Rollins is the most appropriate. 
I still think they have big plans for Lashley moving forward, but I don't think those plans are main event plans, unfortunately. Raj, any thoughts? Yeah, I think a triple threat just waters it down. In general, I do. I feel like the singles is where you get the biggest drama, you know, like if it was Hulk versus Andre versus Duggan, you know, it's <laughs> it's just not as big, you know, it's the Roman versus Lesnar. Anything else waters it down, but I think Lesnar versus Lashley, it's kept open. I love that they did that because you could go back to that for SummerSlam, you know, and, and you know, later in summer. So uh, I would not make it a triple threat. I would not add Rollins or Lashley. Isa, any thoughts? No, I don't. I don't. I think Roman and Brock is just going to stay a singles match. And I, I, but I do think they have plans for Lashley. Like I said earlier, we have two nights to build to. So you need to get all of these big names, main events like Lashley and Drew McIntyre into interesting programs. We also have another super chat here from T Smitty 3000, who says, ironically, Saudi will have more women matches on the card than WrestleMania. Do you believe Rousey would be better off as a heel? Well, two questions here or a statement and a question. I don't know if that's necessarily going to be the case. I think maybe three matches, they'll have more matches in total. I don't know if any of the nights of WrestleMania will match Saudi's women's matches in terms of, I don't know if any of the nights will have more than three matches. But you got to imagine there's going to be a bunch, you know, the SmackDown uh, women's title, the Raw women's title, uh, probably a match for, for Sasha Banks. And we talked about the part-timers with Lita and maybe Trish coming back. There's going to be a, a handful of women's matches uh, on WrestleMania this year. And then the question, though, do you believe Rousey would be better off as a heel? I'm personally of the opinion, yes. Raj, uh, any thoughts? I agree. I, I think Rousey is best as a heel, but she just came back. Fans don't want to boo her yet, so... I think it's best to keep her as a babyface now, maybe turn her after Mania, but keep her as a babyface until Mania. And, yeah, and, same. I will keep I will keep around as a baby, as a heel. I'm sorry, as a baby until it's time to face Becky. When she gets to Becky, it, that will be the time to finally make Becky a babyface again and, and kind of like switch the roles there. Yeah, and, and there's definitely going to be more than three women's matches at WrestleMania. It's two nights. So. You know, we already got two. And now, I mean, we've only had, we only have like three matches official so far. Um, so, yeah. and the majority of them are women's matches really. So, uh, there's definitely going to be w way more uh, at, at mania because it's, it's a two night event and I, I could see them bringing the battle Royal back, you know, doing mm -hmm. the men's battle Royal one, one night and then the women's the next. Yeah, yeah I, I hope think, so. I hope so. I think there's plenty of options for sure. As we move along with this card, I mentioned that the next match we're going to get to is the WWE title elimination chamber match because the SmackDown oh, wait, wait, wait. Real Go for it. The Undertaker. Oh, promo. of course. Of course. How could I forget? <laughs> the Undertaker promo. Uh, we meant to talk about it in the news section before the big news with Kenny Omega dropped. But Undertaker is going into the Hall of Fame this year. And man, oh man, did they just roll out the red carpet for this incredible video package that spanned his entire career. We had interviews from so many people from his past, his present, and just Wow. Talk about making the WWE Hall of Fame feel like a massive deal, especially for like all the headlines said WWE's greatest character of all time. Raj, I know that this was something that you were just absolutely blown away by. And thank you for cutting me off there because we need to give this some shine. What were your emotions after this video package? Oh my gosh. I, this was one of the best videos WWE has done in a long time. I thought it was just awesome. It just got you going. The music, the way they blended, uh, 
Metallica's "Sad but True" with the Kid with Kid Rock's "American Badass" and, and Limp Bizkit's "Rolling" and covering just the whole career and it just the way it was done, it was just awesome. And I still stand by what I said last week that Taker's um, induction should have been one night uh, at WrestleMania. It should have been at one of those nights, and then you have the other inductions after SmackDown. Uh, but man, this just it just made it feel like a huge deal, this video. I'm going to watch it again when we're off. Uh, it was freaking fantastic. Issa, how about you? Yeah, you know what makes the video so amazing, Raj? A lot of times we talk about the editing that they have to do to create these programs. The thing of it is, is The Undertaker have had that amazing of a career that all they have to do is just pick and choose what to throw in there and mix the music for it because that's the level of amazing that The Undertaker is. I am so excited. I can see this video package making people want to go to Dallas. I guarantee you people that might not consider traveling for WrestleMania will go more for the Hall of Fame and for the pop that he'll get when he shows up at Mania for, you know, for the Hall of Fame portion of it than anything else. I I feel like this feels like a big deal. The biggest deal that the Hall of Fame has felt for me in a long time. I tend to attend WrestleManias and I always skip the Hall of Fame. Not doing that this year. I will definitely go. And they can't just have Taker just walk up on stage with, you know, the other inductees and just wave at the crowd. They have no, to have we need a full wave. blown entrance and he needs to come to the ring and something. They they have to they have to go all out for him. Yes. And then on Raw, I think they need to have him do one last speech because he never got to do that speech in front of fans. So mm-hmm. one farewell that he never got to do. That would be very special. Uh, Stellar Justin Lopez saying in the super chat here, thank you so much for sending one in. I had no plans to go to Dallas, but damn it, that video got me to book a flight ticket. I got to pay my respects to that man in person. We're already seeing it, you know, live in the Listen, flesh. Listen, I might, I might just have up. to plan. I might just have to get a venue and plan a night where every wrestling fan can come in and share your favorite memory of The Undertaker. <laughs> like, that's how big of a deal I feel like this is. My first wrestling t-shirt was The Undertaker. He was my first favorite. I might still be afraid of him. This is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm. You know, I, I, I never usually never go to WrestleMania. I did go to 32, but in general, I I will go out for the media stuff up until the event, and then I come back just because it's so crazy on the site. You know, I need to be here. Like Nick Nick Hausman, uh, he's going to be there on Wrestling Inc.'s behalf. But now I'm like, nah, man, maybe I should go and find a way to make it work. You know, but uh, and on, that video we have to kinda... share. We have to share a drink to the Undertaker. I know. <laughs> well. <laughs> are, are, you, are you going, Isa? Yeah, yeah, I'll be in Dallas. Okay. Very Liam, so are you going to have that drink? We can, we can share our <laughs> memories of The Undertaker Absolutely. together. <laughs> Wasn't planning on it as of now, but hey, my schedule's open. So we'll see. We'll see what happens when April comes around. Keith also mentioning Hall of Fame definitely selling out now. I, I can't see it not. I mean, you know, Undertaker going to be there. It's going to be pretty packed. I'm still a little let down that it's immediately after SmackDown because, you know, I feel like the air will be taken out of the crowd a little bit. And obviously for Hall of Fame, you want people to be quiet when people are giving their speeches and whatnot. But still, that's a lengthy night of wrestling. I was at AEW Grand Slam in September and with Dark beforehand, a three-hour or two-hour Dynamite and then two hours of Rampage afterwards, we had a Minoru Suzuki match and I was like, all right, come on. I got a four hour drive back to Syracuse. Like, let's get rolling. So I, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about having the Hall of Fame immediately after SmackDown. Um, but I'd be shocked if Taker's presence doesn't keep that en- energy up. Right. But if Taker is the only person being inducted, if they do that, right, just make it a Taker year and that's it, then it, I don't think you'll matter. I think people might be more hyped for the Hall of Fame than they'd be for SmackDown. Mm. 
they were saying he's headlining, which would mean, you know, headlining the Hall of Fame class, which would mean that there's going to be others. That's why I, I was thinking Taker should just be at Mania. You have his at Mania in front of the stadium with the huge crowd. And then you just do the others after SmackDown. But as like far as it's selling out, it was going to sell out anyway because it's SmackDown before WrestleMania right. in Dallas. Um, I, I almost felt like they, you know, with Taker, it's almost like you could have done a separate Hall of Fame uh, ceremony, you know, on a, yeah. gosh, what, what other nights? I guess you could do it on, you could do it on Thursday night, right? There's nothing that right. night. Just Impact Wrestling. But another thing I want to bring up too is this obviously means I think Batista will be delayed another year because Batista obviously declining to go into the Hall of Fame last year because he didn't want to do it in front of the su- uh, the uh, Superdome, right? Not Superdome, Thunderdome. I'm, I'm glad I'm already forgetting the name. That's a good <laughs> thing. That is a really good thing. Um, but yeah, I guess this means Batista probably waiting another year just because He's someone that could easily headline his own class. But we have seen WWE do these supersized classes for the Hall of Fame before. I don't think they're going to have Batista and Taker on the same Hall of Fame after SmackDown, you know. But then next year is going to be The Rock. Almost surely it's going to be The Rock because it's L.A. And he's probably going to be wrestling. I mean, that's... I was going to say it's going to be The Rock main eventing against Roman Reigns, right? Right. Exactly. (laughs) But they've had that before where you're inducted in the Hall of Fame and then right. you, you wrestle. <laughs> but uh, so, you know, with that, will Batista want to be not the headliner? And if not, if he wants to be the headliner and they want him to be the headliner, then you're looking at two years from now. And yeah. I think two years, they, they they did announce where they're going to be two years from now, right? I think it's, gosh, it's escaping me right now. Is um, it Minnesota? Wait, they announce where it's going to be after? Yeah, when they change it around, because this year was supposed to be... Yeah, last year was LA, right? And then yeah. yeah, last year was supposed to be SoFi, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then they switched it to uh, to Tampa. Then this year, yeah, uh, and then it was supposed I to be this Dallas. Year was Tampa. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. So anyway, I'll, I'll double check that and and tweet it out. By the way, on Twitter, for those of you who m- might have noticed, uh, we got a the Wrestling Inc. account on Twitter was suspended, um, and I got an email and it said it's due to uh, a copyright infringement of, for this tweet uh, about the Olympics. There was nothing regarding the Olympics in that tweet. There was no Olympic imagery. It was a Drew McIntyre tweet. It was about Drew McIntyre during SmackDown. So it's like, what the F, you know? And uh, so we're dealing with it right now. We have a ba- we've had a backup account. Uh, it's Wrestling Inc. Com. Uh, so it's not just wrestling it's wrestling and calm so if you guys could do us a favor please follow us on there if you go to my twitter account you can find the link to it uh you know the handle but it's wrestling inc com and uh hopefully everything will be resolved soon i'd like to welcome you to the unfairly suspended twitter accounts club <laughs> it's i know uh, how it feels yeah ninety-one thousand followers on there yeah you know? like yep. it's uh it's not it's a, it's really annoying so yeah, is it please your take first, a minute if it's it. your first copyright on that account they should be able to bring it right back no there were a couple others over the years but it was like it was sharing clips it wasn't like right. uploading our clips it was sharing their own and yeah. uh it, but it was like we would email the person and uh just never hear back and it's like well what can we do right you know? Right. Yeah. I, I lost. We did the right click, you know, uh, share t- yeah. tweet video or whatever. Yeah. And, uh, so anyway, 
I lost my first Twitter two years ago because I went to change my birthday, which then revealed to them that I was too young when I initially made it, but I was as of age now what? and I tried to get it back. And then, you know, whatever story for another time, Twitter's algorithm is weird. Uh, something yeah, we, going forward though, with the elimination chamber, uh, Viking Raiders versus Usos never happens. Uh, Viking Raiders made their entrance. They did their like little chest pound in unison as they come down the ramp. And then the Usos attack them, and that was that. No match. Uh, people on Twitter joking about hopefully they still got paid coming out all this way and, you know, not actually even wrestling. Um, but the Usos walking out of Saudi Arabia, still SmackDown Tag Champions, but without necessarily successfully defending them. Uh, Raj, was this a, a letdown to you, or were you just ready to get into the main event? You know, these guys can have a banger of a match. But I just don't care. The storyline has not made me care. So I was fine with it not happening. I'm fine with the shorter pay-per-view and trimming the fat. And uh, I was fine with the fat not happening and keeping it under three hours. I thought this pay-per-view was the perfect length. Mm -hmm. That was great. So, yeah, I was fine. Do, do this match on SmackDown. It, it doesn't need to extend the show any longer. Isa, any thoughts? Yeah, once once Jimmy Uso squashed one of the Viking Raiders on yeah. SmackDown, I was like, okay, I don't I don't care about this. So the match not happening, did I feel affected by it? No. The only thing that I remember thinking was, oh, I gotta get ready for the podcast sooner. Like I gotta get my <laughs> setup up sooner because it's gonna end earlier than what I anticipated. <laughs> but it wasn't a match that I was looking forward to, and it wasn't a match that it didn't affect me. I just really wish like rush said these two teams could really put on a great match if you put a storyline behind them but when you squish squashing one of them on tv you're gonna lose all interest right then and there it didn't make the usos look a little more badass but i didn't i never thought they were gonna walk out of saudi arabia not champions yeah it looks like the viking raiders are just here to make the usos look strong continuously so uh which is sometimes you need to do that so that's fine yeah, we'll see what happens going forward with the SmackDown tag division. But moving forward uh, with something that has SmackDown WrestleMania implications, Brock Lesnar winning the Men's Elimination Chamber match after just winning the Men's Royal Rumble match, meaning he is walking into the grandest stage of them all with the WWE title, possibly walking out with both the WWE and Universal title. As for this match itself, Bobby Lashley, the champion, never officially entered. We've been kind of talking about it this whole podcast uh, there was a power bomb, I believe, into the pod, and Lashley went into concussion protocol and left the match, even though it's all kind of within storyline. And then we had a competitive match until Brock Lesnar entered the fray, and when he entered, he broke down his pod because it was supposed to be Lashley entering. Lashley obviously wasn't there. Lesnar said, screw this, I'm getting in the match right now. Breaks through his glass and then just suplexes and F5s everyone and eliminates everyone. Then he has that incredible last like five minute stretch with Austin theory theory is trying to dodge him running all around the match. Lesnar eventually chases him to the top of a pod and F fives him from about what 12 feet up, which I thought was insane. Immediately jumps down, gets the cover one, two, three Brock Lesnar is once again, your WWE champion and he's going on to WrestleMania to challenge universal champion, Roman Reigns. Raj, I'll go to you first. In terms of this match, was this what it was built up to be, or did it leave a little bit to be desired? I mean, that the spot at the end was fun. I, you know, I thought it was I thought it was a disappointment overall, just because first of all, you got Seth Rollins and AJ in there, and I get you want to have Lesnar kill some people, which is fine. I mean, you should, but not Rollins, not AJ. 
you know, Seth just a few years ago beat Lesnar twice in the same year, and here he is getting squashed. You need to protect some of these guys. Uh, and uh, so I, I didn't like that aspect of it. I, I, you know, I feel like you could have still had Brock beat them eventually, but have them do something as a, as a, opposed to looking like, uh, you know, a job guys. So I just felt like everyone in the match looked weak except for Brock and Lashley because he was taken out. I did like that they took Lashley out. It protected him. I, I didn't want to see Lesnar just, you know, uh, just drive through Lashley. So that was fine. The ending was spectacular. Um, you know, my daughter watched this too. They were just, uh, in, you know, in shock by that F5 at the end. It was a great visual. So overall, I thought it was a fun match. It, I didn't think it was bad, but I thought it was disappointing. And I thought that they should have protected AJ and Rollins more. Issa, how about you? Thoughts on uh, who looked weak in this match and who looked strong? Look, Brock is one of my favorites. So I, I hate to be that person because there's, I feel like the angel and the devil in my ear talking, right? Like like the Brock Lesnar <laughs> fan is saying, yo, he killed it. He looked amazing. The spot at the end was incredible. Even when Brock comes out, we were talking about that it factor. That's it. That's your it factor. When Brock Lesnar just shows up, he's that guy that will make everybody stop. And they made him look that way but there was the, the there was the, the when i'm mentioning the names to my nephew i'm like this is going to be i was so hyped just because of the name value going into this rumble matt riddle aj styles seth rollins i just wanted to see some kind of competitive matches and we've seen brock have competitive matches with seth rollins and aj styles one of my favorite brock lesnar matches is his match against aj styles so i just wanted to see him do a little bit more with them in the ring i wanted to see more interaction between him and riddle just because of the story that we know you know has happened there in the past so there is a part of me that feels like the name value going into this rumble and i can't even mention bobby lashley because he didn't even do anything i felt like we were i mean i'm sorry into this chamber i felt like we were going to get one of the best chamber matches that we've seen and i don't know that we got that but at the same time i'm not disappointed with the result i don't know how much more you can protect lashley from Brock, but I do like the fact that it's staying open, like Raj said, for maybe SummerSlam, a match later on, because I've been waiting for this match for a long time, and I still feel like I haven't gotten justice. I haven't gotten my Brock and Lashley match that I've been waiting for years, and that story is still back there waiting. So overall, the F5 from top of the pot, amazing stuff. I hope Austin Theory is okay. I mean, he landed <laughs> first, but it just looks so brutal. And I'm, I'm happy with Brock going into this champion versus champion. I feel like if you're going to do Brock and Roman again at WrestleMania, again, you have to put all the stakes on the line. And, and I do think that this, this, this is that headline match that they wanted. But I feel like we took so many detours to get here. Because when we started, Brock had the title, Roman had it. Why give him the Rumble? Why have him drop it at the Rumble? Why make Lashley a two-week-long champion? I just have a lot of questions that feel unnecessary things happen to get to what we were originally meant to get to anyways. Yeah, if they wanted to have Brock wrestle in Saudi, well, and, you know, again, you could have had him do a non-title match, have Lashley you win could this have match. Him to, yeah, or you could have, if, if you want to not have, Brock dropped the title. You could have done a, a Goldberg match too, like where he just wins and you know he's gonna win, but he's defending the title. Yeah, so you know, I, I guess they just feel like the title versus title just makes the match even that much bigger, and it does. I mean, it it, it definitely does. So it, it's just weird that they give Lashley such a short reign. It's like why even give him the reign at all? Just have Lesnar hold on to it. But at the same time, it does open up Lesnar versus Lashley down the line. If if he had just yeah. beaten Lashley at Royal Rumble, especially after how, how he, 
you know, dragged him down in those promos before, it would have made Lashley look really bad. So I don't know. All, all in all. I, I agree with you. But if you let's go back to day one when Brock won the title, right? Like I just mentioned, we took all these detours. Lashley mm-hmm. looked incredible. So if they had never crossed paths again, you are still thinking that Lashley was the only one that looked good against Brock on day one. And you can still get back to that story without well, doing all of this. Well, it's funny because Roman getting COVID just changed so much stuff. I know. Because <laughs> it was supposed to be, Brock was never supposed to be part of the WWE championship picture. So, you know, it was right. probably going to be Big E and Seth or, you know, something like that. Right. Now Big E right. is just back where he was before. Uh, they've just squandered yeah, it's that just, push. It's that just funny because even when I go back and think about the Rumble, the fact that Brock lost the title the way that he did, I also felt that he didn't need the Rumble win. And I'm a Brock Lesnar fan, but I'm like, okay, there's a storyline written for Brock and Roman in the way that Brock lost. He didn't need the Rumble win, and he got it. He didn't need another title reign, but I also did not in a million years see Brock getting pinned again. So I felt like he was walking out of that chamber tonight you know, as champion. I have so many things to say based, based off what you guys are saying there. But yeah, the idea of, of Lashley having a two-week reign, my, my brain kind of goes into two camps of plans got changed within the past couple of weeks. Or also, they just love being able to say Brock Lesnar is now an X plus one time champion. Like in WWE, they love having so many title reigns. It's not about how many days you hold the title. It's about how many times you hold the title. And that's why Cena, I remember in like, 2011 2012 was playing hot potato with it he'd win it three times in one calendar year they did it with charlotte very often uh in the late 2010s and whatnot but you mentioned uh pro wrestling domino effects and what changes uh if roman doesn't get COVID. i always go back to 2014 Uh, i went to money in the bank when it was in boston and the match that was advertised was kane versus daniel bryan if daniel bryan could compete obviously he was going through concussion stuff and it was going to be a stretcher match and if bryan could compete then the vacant WWE title match becomes the Money in the Bank match, which means if Brian could compete, then Rollins would have never won Money in the Bank, which how does that change WrestleMania 31? Who walks away with the title? We never get the Rollins cash in on the big stage. Uh, it's crazy, and I love speculating as to what could change, and we're living right now in one of the wildest domino effects in recent memory within WWE. We do have a couple <laughs> super chats I wanted to get to. Say Ja. Uh, mentioning Rollins is goofy, Riddle is goofy. Glad they were both F5 to oblivion. I think they're goofy <laughs> in, in different ways, though. Like Riddle yeah. is goofy and kind of cringy goofy, while Rollins is goofy and like, oh man, like that's like WWE's Joker, and you almost want to root for him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Riddle, I, I didn't have a problem with because he's been squashed on TV anyway. So it's not yeah. like it's not like he get he's really hurt from this, but um. Rollins, I thought was her. He was just in the WWE Championship match at Royal Rumble, and Roman didn't beat him. You know, so yeah. him just getting squashed like that—that that one, that one—I thought was was bad. Yeah, I, I thought that, I thought they would do a lot more with Rollins tonight, or that it would come down to him and, and Brock, not him and Theory, and we will get those extra five six minutes between the two of them, some kind of competitive match. I thought it was going to come down to Brock and Seth or Brock and AJ. Mm-hmm. And then James also says, whoever wins both belts at Mania, no matter what, will have to appear on both shows and networks. So what's the difference if they unify the titles? Well, I do think he brings up an interesting point here because Roman, as we've seen with Raw, has been a bit of a ratings bump. Raj, I feel like you can probably pull the numbers better than I can. But when they advertise Roman for a Raw or they advertise Roman for a dark match, ticket sales go up, more people tune in. So if Roman walks away with both belts, 
I know USA Network might be like, why is the guy who's known for SmackDown holding our world title? But at the same time, then for five or six weeks, you get Roman Reigns on your broadcast, potentially. It's a longer, busier schedule for Roman. But I think there are benefits to it from kind of an analytics standpoint. Raj, any thoughts? Uh, well, what James is saying, they're going to appear on both shows, but only for a short amount of time. You know, like I said, I could see them Roman dropping it in a fatal four way or something where he's not getting beat. Whereas if you unify the titles, then you'd have to ununify them, you know. Mm -hmm. So by having the both belts, they're on both shows for a little bit and then they're not. So that that would be the, the difference. Yeah. And on top of that, that gives us the possibility of either one of them showing up at the shows during the build the buildup to WrestleMania, which could really help these shows. It could help for Roman Reigns to sneak attack Brock on, on an episode of Raw while we're building to, you know, to WrestleMania. I, I don't think that we see the titles getting unified, and I do think them not being unified is more beneficial. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you mentioned those sneak attack aspects. I think that could be really interesting because when they first split the brands in 2016, I remember how big it felt when Randy Orton slithered through the crowd and hit Brock with the RKO. Oh my God, like the SmackDown guy coming over. And it was only a month after they had split the brands. And I know obviously it's kind of, it's not been as black and white. It's been more gray guys floating back and forth. We just yeah. saw it with Seth Rollins entering a SmackDown program for many, many weeks leading up to the Royal Rumble. But still, there is some appeal to having Roman showing up on Raw or Brock showing up on SmackDown with the WWE title. I, I think it makes the road to WrestleMania, which has felt a little lackluster in previous years, feel like, oh, my God, we're building to the blockbuster event of the year. Yeah. And I think with Austin coming back, this is probably the biggest feeling mania in, in a while. You know, um, and a possible Cody Rose showing up. There's a lot of buzz around people just waiting for that to happen. And if he's going to be at WrestleMania, there's I feel like this has been a very exciting build up for WrestleMania already. And we're only what a weekend like they, they completely turn everything around in a week. Yeah. I mean, the real build starts Monday. We're not even at the build part yet. So, yeah, I feel like there's the most buzz right now. The most buzz in a long time. I am Very also cute. so excited about the fact that there's no more premium live events. We're going to get a six weeks build to WrestleMania, which is so rare because we were always getting the chamber and Fastlane and Roadblock and all these events in between that didn't allow for a proper build. I feel Absolutely. like this year we're really going to be able to build these stories. Absolutely. Traffic stop and detour and highway repairs. And eventually we right. make our way to WrestleMania. Uh, the one way final... stations and the truck <laughs> right. stuff. Yeah. yeah. One, one final bit I did want to bring up about this match specifically, though is kind of the rub Austin Theory got. We talk about a lot of guys looking goofy and weak and whatnot. Austin Theory, at least for me personally, him taking some offense to Brock Lesnar, it was a foregone conclusion, don't get me wrong, that he was going to eat the pin. He was not going to walk away as WWE champion. But still... he was going to get pinned first, Liam. <laughs> right? Like, I was not expecting Austin Theory, of all guys in this field, to feel like the biggest deal leaving it. And sure, he played the chicken heel running away a lot but he still did hit lesnar with some offense he still get it he still did get a one and a half second pin visual on lesnar to me for a guy that they've clearly gotten behind a guy that they're putting in segments with vince mcmahon even if those segments are goofy he's still sharing screen time with the boss he still just was the last man eliminated with one of the most dominant champions you've had in the past decade like austin theory to me leaving this match Feels like a little bit of a bigger deal. I don't know if I'm alone there. Raj, how about you? What are your thoughts on Austin Theory leaving Elimination Chamber? 
Yeah, you know, I thought uh, just because he he did get a little bit of something. I think it does elevate him to be at the end. It's all in the follow-up, you know? And WWE has had a bad track record lately of following stuff up like that. And so we'll see where they go with it. But I, I, I don't have high hopes that Theory is going to be in a featured WrestleMania match. It's a good point. Yeah, he feels very forced to me right now, Theory. But I will say he has had some epic moments with Brock. I thought that selfie on Raw was pretty fun. Um, you know, and, and him taking the spot, good for him. But I really, I just saw so many names that I guess I care about get squashed like that for Theory to get that rub. Like like Rob said, I don't see big plans for him at WrestleMania. So why let him be the one? That to get that rub, unless you have huge plans for him, which I don't know what they could be. We'll see where he, you know, we were just talking about the buildup. We'll see where he ends up six weeks from now. But if he's, if he's in the pre-show of WrestleMania, then you're just, you just wasted an opportunity to really give somebody like AJ Styles or Seth Rollins a really big rub going into their next program. Yeah, I see. I see all points of view. I just think yeah. that Austin Theory being kind of the youngest of the crowd, like AJ Styles, Seth Rollins, don't get me wrong they could benefit from some momentum, but they still are AJ Styles and Seth Rollins. Like Austin Liam, Theory. Can I ask how old you are? Can I ask your age? Yeah, I'm 21 years old. Okay, perfect. You know, the only reason why I'm asking is because my nephew is watching it with me and he's so high on Austin Theory. He's like, I really like this guy. And he's in his early 20s too. And I'm like, maybe he appeals to this kind of audience because I just don't see it. Oh, <laughs> really? I see Austin yes. Theory being a big star. I just I, don't think he's being booked. Like I, I love the selfies though. And I love Riddle <laughs> posing for the selfies and then AJ pretending to be annoyed, but then still posing for the selfie. I did I did pop for that. The selfies <laughs> he took with them while they were on the pod. That was insanely funny. <laughs> I will admit I do have a little bit of bias because I saw Austin Theory at a couple Evolve events in like 2019 and I was like this guy's gonna be big and like it, it's cool to see his trajectory we also got to see uh Christian Casanova who you now know as Carmelo Hayes on NXT yeah. and like to look back at those Evolve cards I don't get to go to indie shows a lot and to see yeah. like where guys are now I'm like man that's cool to see them when they were still farm system talent which is awesome Darla well Liam maybe maybe I'm a little biased because I got to interview AJ Styles last month and he okay, let me okay. touch his hair okay he <laughs> let me touch his hair I saw your tweet and I was very jealous because he's got <laughs> some incredible locks on his head but, but Darla sends in the chat uh Theory probably beats Damian Priest for the U.S. title at Mania I think that almost is a foregone conclusion. Right? Lisa doesn't like that, I bet, but Stop. <laughs> <like> that idea. <laughs> in terms of like what match he's gonna be in, I think that makes a lot of sense. Like, yeah. how do you continue his momentum without putting him too far up on the card? Put some gold around his waist. It, it, it's very weird because if you would have told me this two weeks ago, I would have probably hated to agree. But seeing Damian Priest get a pin over AJ Styles, I would assume there's something big in store for him. Maybe it is theory. I don't know. But I just don't feel like everybody gets a pin over AJ Styles like that. So I would assume his next program should be an interesting one. Yeah. I mean, Damian Priest was losing left and right there for he went from being like unbeaten in singles matches to all of a sudden being beaten like four weeks in a row. I think somebody told somebody backstage, like, did you know this guy has not lost yet? And they were like, oh, we got to change that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, know. Like, I don't know who came the up with the numbers, weeks. but I wish they would have not came up with that report because yeah. that uh, that's when they completely turned Priest around. Yeah. Speaking of those interviews, AJ taking a shot at the ads on our site. What the heck, man? <laughs> I was right next to him, too, when he said that. I was laughing. <laughs> yeah, but at least he put the site over, so that was good. Yes, he did. That means he reads Wrestling <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, yeah. I've known that for a while. 
<laughs> hey, that's really cool because AJ Styles, one of my like childhood heroes. Maybe he's read one of my articles before. Maybe he's tuned in to a Wrestling Inc. podcast. But hey, that's been your Saturday afternoon edition Real quick, of the Wrestling Inc. Thing. podcast. One quick thing. One quick Go bit of it. news uh, that came out just here in, uh, is that Cody Rhodes was uh, spotted in Orlando uh, before the event concluded. So there were reports that he was going to be at the Performance Center filming stuff this weekend. So there you go. Ooh, I love this Cody Rhodes watch going on. on, on I know. Right <laughs> it's going to be a bummer when he shows up because then we don't have all that speculation. Just kind of kills it. I just, <laughs> so. I just, I know, I know. And I know that's what we do. We have wrestling ink and all that. But I'm like, man, I miss when the surprises were surprises. <laughs> like, there's such a missing factor to that now with all this breaking news. Like, <laughs> imagine if, and I get it because it builds so many audience, like it builds so many ratings. But imagine if we didn't know that. Punk was coming back, and that music yeah. just hit, and Punk right. just came out. While the moment was incredible, probably perfectly executed, and we knew what was happening. Imagine if we didn't. Look, you know, that's one of the bummers sometimes of being in this business. You know, when I get spoilers, and I've said this on the podcast before, I don't do articles on them. Like uh, I was saying last year, I knew when that day I found out Christian was going to be this AEW surprise. I just said, "Hey, if you want to know, you can DM me, and I'll I'll DM you who's going to be the surprise." I knew who the Royal Rumbles were. I found out I I got the Royal Rumble win, winners last year, not this last one, but the year before. Yeah. And I same thing. I said, "If you want to know, I'm not doing an article about it. I don't want to post it. It's but if you really want to know, you can DM me as long as you don't you know, you know, spread it around and I'll, I'll let you know. So I'm the, I'm the same way, you know, and when I get this stuff, it's just like, it's, it's stuff we're going to find out soon enough. Right. Like, I hope we never hear that Cody officially signed. We just see him, you know, I know, and, uh, I know it, we'll would just, it would, it changes because there's that feeling from our childhood of anything is possible. Anybody can show up and, <laughs> and there's a little bit of that missing nowadays with all, you know, with all the wrestling and I get it. It's what we do. But at the same time, I just miss that as a fan, just, just being surprised. That's why edge felt so special. There's a few then that we didn't know about that just no. felt so incredible because edge we didn't know too. about them. <laughs> It was yeah. actually leaked too. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I didn't know, you... but I was too big. Christian, maybe. Oh, oh. Christian no, was a big was surprise in the Royal Rumble. Yeah, yeah, that was big. Issa, you mentioned uh, when we were younger having that like the the suspension of disbelief. When I first yeah. started watching wrestling, I remember the first Royal Rumble. I was so jo- uh, so uh, stoked because I thought Justin Gabriel had just as big of a chance as anyone to come out on top and go to WrestleMania <laughs> and win the title. And then I started reading Wrestling Inc. And I'm not even joking. Wrestling Inc. was my my source uh, to go to for news before I started contributing to the site. And I'll never forget reading that article about AJ Styles, Shinsuke. <laughs> Doc Gallows, yeah. Carl Anderson yeah. hopping over and watching with bated breath the Royal Rumble, expecting something. And I just can only imagine what my 15-year-old mind would have just exploded <laughs> into. If I had no idea. But hey, we love looking into this stuff. It makes all the speculation that much more fun. Yes, it does. And eventually when the pin drops and we get Cody with whatever uh, promotion he signs with, likely being WWE, I'm sure it's going to be something we're all just eyes glued on regardless of surprise but like i was saying that is your saturday afternoon edition of the wrestling Inc. podcast probably the earliest wrestling Inc. podcast you're gonna get for a while until we uh, obviously venture back to saudi arabia but i've been liam crowley thank you so much for tuning in raj you can find his social right down there below anything fun going on at wrestling inc right now that you'd like to plug 
It's just, I mean, it's just madness with all the news. It's, you know, it's this last week, I, to, I chose the wrong week to do my, my detox every year after the Super Bowl. I do, except for last year, every year, year I do a detox with no booze, no caffeine, and just the, no caffeine with, with how this week has been. It's just been nuts. So March 1st, I'm looking forward to March 1st coming around. <laughs> But it's, yeah, just tons of stuff on wrestling, just all the news. You know, we got an article on that Kenny Omega interview with uh, the Wrestling Observer. Uh, if you have time, if you're a subscriber to the Observer, you, you should check it out. It's like an hour and 45 minutes uh, and uh, just tons of articles. And then we're going to have uh, tons of exclusive interviews coming up soon. Very cool. Very uh, much to look forward to on WrestlingInc.com. Isa, always a pleasure chatting with you. Anything fun you got going on in your worlds that you'd like to shout out? Nope. You guys can find me on YouTube and YCD Mandiva. Go subscribe to my channel for more content. Awesome. And as for me, Liam T. Crowley, you can find it right down there below. If you're not already reading WrestlingInc.com, make sure to read WrestlingInc.com. And if you're not already following us on TikTok, be sure to follow us on TikTok. Daily news updates, a lot of exclusive clips from the Wrestling Inc. Daily with Nick Hausman. So much fun we have over there on that social platform. But hey, for Raj, for Issa, I've been Liam. Thank you so much for tuning in. And we'll be back on YouTube this Monday with your Raw After Show, maybe talking Cody's WWE debut. Who knows? We'll see you then. <laughs>